This morning we are wrapping up the series that we've been in for quite some time, focusing in on God's faithfulness. Remembering that God goes to great lengths to remind us that we are loved. It's a reality that we're reminded of throughout all of Scripture, really starting with the creation narrative, where God calls out, where are you, to Adam and Eve after they eat from the tree and hide. It's a question that I've invited us to ask of ourselves, to take a personal inventory of sorts with where we are on our own journeys. Recognizing that the same God who sought out Adam and Eve, inviting them to step out from the bush and to be honest with themselves and with God, is seeking us out and longs to be in relationship with us. We we spent most of our time in this series exploring how God's faithfulness shows up in the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. From Noah hearing God in a noisy world, to Moses and Joshua recognizing their place as they hear God's voice. To last week's reminder with the story of Esther, where God is at work even when it's not clearly evident to, to us or to anyone who's reading the scriptures. This morning we're looking at one of my favorite Old Testament passages, the call of Samuel. Hannah, Samuel's mom, showed up to the temple daily to pray, begging God for a child. Eli, the, the priest, he sees her and, and he thinks, oh, she's got to be, she's got to be drunk or out of her mind. And she explains herself and she says she'll commit her son to the Lord if only she's able to have one. Oh, and for some reason, she won't cut his hair either. Samuel is born and as we, we, we saw earlier in the, the passage that Pastor John read, Hannah responds with great joy. She takes Samuel to Eli to serve as an apprentice. And Eli, he's having all kinds of problems with his own family. His sons are are out of control. They take advantage of their position in the the priest's family, and Eli can't seem to rein them in. Starting at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, we read this. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and and said, Here I am. You you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized what the Lord, that the Lord was calling the boy. So, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
There are so many great stories about God's faithfulness in the Old Testament. So many examples of God showing up and calling people to be a part of God's plan for the world. And we've talked about many of them during this series. And while there's, there's plenty to learn from those stories, the, the reality is many of us can't relate to some of those grandiose stories or those grandiose pictures that are painted. We haven't prepared for a flood. We, we haven't heard God's voice coming from a burning bush. I, I think that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy this story of Samuel so much. I, I can relate to this call. And I can relate to his response. I grew up in the church, and yet the idea of hearing God's voice, it terrified me. I'm not sure if I didn't believe it was really possible or what. It was just much easier to keep God at kind of an arm's length, to embrace the idea of faith without really engaging what it meant for me personally. Then when I was 17 years old, a mentor invited me to be a counselor at a middle school camp for an entire week. And he was speaking on uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The second to last night of camp, I was carrying a sixth grader on my back during a night hike. And, and it, it hit me in this odd way. If I was going to keep saying I was a Christian, that I believed in Jesus, it meant that I had to actually do something with my faith. I couldn't tell if it was the altitude or maybe something I ate from the camp kitchen earlier, but but the thought stuck with me when we we went home. Throughout the rest of the summer, I grappled with it. I'd lie awake at night and turn the thought over and over again. What does it mean to be in Christ? What do I really believe and what am I going to do with it? It took a while to unpack God's call. I argued with myself. I had long conversations with others. It just wasn't super clear at first, which is why I think I relate to Samuel's story. And to this day, I hope that all that I do from the way I function as a, as a husband and a father to, to being a friend and a pastor, it's all in a response to the way I work out that call. It's usually when I forget that, 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 that idea of being in Christ that I get into trouble and am derailed from my identity in one way or another. Now, there are at least three lessons we can learn about hearing God from Samuel's call. The first is a reminder to approach God honestly. We almost see an honest naivety with Samuel as a young man here. But it's really a lesson that begins with his mom. Hannah was in agony, and she approaches God with that pain. She lays it all out, and then she makes a deal. It's almost as if she approaches prayer as a a negotiation tactic. But before we we bash her for that, think of how often we do the same sort of thing. God, I'm I'm, I'm running late. If you would just just help me find a a parking space close, then I'll plan better next time. God, if you just help my team win today, I, I promise I'll actually go to church next week. God, if you could just let my kids sleep. I promise I'll be more patient with them tomorrow. This is one of the reasons that this story is so relatable. Hannah is just being honest. Maybe for us it's starting with a simple prayer of, God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not sure what you want from me. Or, God, I know I'm feeling led in one direction, but how do I know that it's really the right one? 
One of my friends tells a story of sitting down to dinner with his family, with his son, when his son was young, and asking that son to, to say the prayer before the meal. The family, they got quiet, they, they bowed their, their heads, and, and, and the boy just said, I got nothing. Maybe being honest with ourselves and with God is just saying those three words, I got nothing. We get the idea that Hannah was in misery for a while. When Eli sees her praying in the temple, she's so hysterical that she thinks that he thinks she's drunk. He asks why she's making such a scene, and she says, I'm a troubled woman. I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm sharing all that I have, my anxiety, my pain, everything. Sometimes when it comes to approaching God, We try to convince ourselves that we can get through whatever it is that we're going through on our own, by our own merit, or we think that whatever it is we're going through just isn't big enough to bring it to God in prayer. Hannah's story, it reminds us not to be bashful, to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with God, regardless of whatever it is we're going through. The the second lesson is a lesson on on focusing, really, And, and it comes from the temple. Eli, he's an aging priest, and and he led the people of Israel during a very difficult time where there weren't a whole lot of people sitting in his his church listening to God. And to add insult to injury, his family was an absolute mess. His two sons are, are making a complete mockery of what Eli believes and how he sees the world. They had no regard for for the temple traditions. They they spent their time terrorizing the few people who actually showed up to worship. They would take advantage of them in in every way imaginable. It would have been easy and even understandable for Eli to tell Hannah, look, I I see that you're stressed, but I've got a ton on my plate. I I don't have time to raise this son. I know you said you were going to dedicate him. I don't have time for this. But that's not how he responds. Instead, he focuses on what God has in front of him, even when he's surrounded by all kinds of distraction. His country, his congregation, his family. Instead of being consumed by it all, he hears God through the noise. I, I would love to challenge us to follow Eli's example, to set aside time to be attentive to what God has for us in the middle of the hectic world that we live in. For some of us, that means setting aside time to be still each and every day. For others, it might mean starting a different type of spiritual discipline. Or maybe it's as simple as turning off our phones or turning off the news for a few hours to disconnect. If we really want to be attentive for what God has for us, we need to follow Eli's lead to listen through the noise of our, our distracted and busy world. Now, I'm sure young Samuel learned just by watching Eli quite a bit, but but this lesson might be the most important. It's definitely one that that Samuel goes back to over and over again as he grew up and as he helped the people of Israel discern their future. He, He focused. But Samuel couldn't discern God's voice on his own either. He needed help. It would have been so much easier if each time Samuel heard a voice, God would have said, Samuel! This is God. Pay attention. No, really, it's me. But that's not how it worked for Samuel, and that's not usually how it works for us either. More often than not, God speaks through 
familiar voices, people we know, friends, a family member, mentors, neighbors, even even a pastor. I've talked about this before, but I believe that, that everyone who follows Jesus needs three types of people in our lives. We need three types of, of relationships that we need to invest in. First is someone we're mentoring, at least one person we're investing in ourselves. So if you're in a leadership position here at WPC, an elder or a deacon or a staff member maybe, you might be investing in a future elder, a future deacon, a future staff member. But it doesn't have to be here at church either. It could be someone at work, someone in your neighborhood. Who are you mentoring intentionally? Who are you helping Secondly, someone we're walking with, at least one friend to walk beside us. This is the person who just listens. It's a colleague or someone you can call to just to vent with, and to vent to without any fear of being judged or being lectured that you might be wrong. Who are you walking with? Who, who is your friend? And lastly, someone who's mentoring you. Who is investing in you? Who's pushing you to grow? Who's encouraging you to, to grow in your faith and your personal development every day? Who's mentoring? So, so these three types of relationships, a person that you're mentoring, a person that is walking with you, a friend, and a person to mentor you. Samuel reminds us that we often hear God's voice in community. We're not meant to journey alone. We need relationships. We started this series on an Easter Sunday with with Mary and the the other women entering Jesus' tomb, looking for Jesus. They were searching for him and in agony over not being able to find him. And in the middle of that, they didn't recognize that God was also searching for them. That search, it continues today. We look, we search, we listen, we struggle, we wrestle And meanwhile, over and over again, God goes to great lengths to remind us that we are loved, that we have purpose. May we approach our search with honesty while learning to listen through the noise and remembering that we weren't created to journey alone. Amen.